Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Wednesday night here. A little late night Wednesday night for us, Pete, man. Uh, but it is time for the UFC 254 DFS Strategy Show. What's going on, Pete? Uh, how excited are you right now for this pay-per-view? I'm pretty excited, man. I'm so excited. I shaved my facial hair like uh, a little bit like Habib Nurmagomedov. You know, uh, I, I wish I had the, the headwear, but, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find that anywhere. But, uh, you know, I cannot wait for this fight, Jason. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I've been kind of uh, kind of going back and forth on the main event. We'll talk a lot about the main event, uh, you know, as we do go on. Of course, uh, we'll be here for uh, you know sixty seventy five minutes, depending on uh, kind of how the listener questions do go here. But uh, you know, right now we want to get right into kind of some some general questions that I did receive on, on my Twitter account. And uh, first off, uh, you know, one of the questions we got was single entry GPPs and and how to approach it here. And, and this is a kind of you know, I guess my general thought on GPPs is simply is I'm okay. Who am I going to develop my roster around? Who am I building around? Um, so to me, I, I think you got to look at the main event first and foremost. You know, I think of, um, I, I think on both of these guys, I, I think there's a, a va- there's value on both sides of this. I mean, obviously, I, I think Justin Gaethje has much more than a puncher's chance in this one. Um, you know, he could be interesting. I think particularly on a FanDuel. Uh, roster in terms of potential takedown stoppage. You, you think about Khabib and his takedown abilities, he only lands at about 46%. So I, I think there is some potential there, but to me, it starts with how you're going to roster that main event in terms of your single entry. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing a single entry tournament, um, I don't see how you get, get away from the main event. I mean, that's the whole reason why you're watching the card, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I definitely want to have that action because the worst thing in the world is when you fade the main event and you're say, you know, at the top of the leaderboard and then the, everybody behind you, you're sweating like crazy, hoping that, you know, they don't catch up to you. But, uh, you know, I think for, for single entry, you have to get there. You know, I, I really do. Justin Gaethje at his price point in a five round fight with his fighting style. If he wins, he breaks the slate. Um, Herbie, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, 9,200, um, takedown city, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult in this matchup, but I, I still really like his price point. I think it's appropriate. 
Yeah, I mean, I think also when, I, when I'm thinking about GPPs and, and single entry, then it becomes of, okay, you know, if I'm going to get take, you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov off and let's just say on, on DK at 9200 okay, now we got to start looking at some low-price options and, and who that low-price option should be. So, to me, I think the first your, your thought is going to be is who's that high-end price you're going with, if it maybe it's Khabib or maybe it's someone else, and then you got to kind of figure out who is that under 7500 option that you do take on, which I think kind of leads into another question that we got, Pete, is are we stacking the main event this week? You know, it's interesting. I'll probably have a few lineups with it just because, just to test it out and see. Um, I don't hate it. But, um, you know, if Habib is going to, you know, fight appropriate how he should, it should be a lot of grappling and uh, not open mat wrestling because open mat wrestling, I think Justin Gaethje will be able to compete pretty well. Um, you know, against the cage is a totally different animal. And it really is. People don't understand how difficult it is against the cage, especially if you're not, you know, used to it. And I know Gaethje has a, a lifetime of wrestling. Um, you know, but in order to stack the fight, right. Khabib has to do enough to pay off that 9,200 price tag. Right. But Gaethje also has to do enough to outperform all these other seven K options. So you're talking about a small chance of that really occurring. It does happen. Um, especially if it's a, a competitive five round event, you know, you, you're thinking of, you know, like a, you know, scorecard going three, two some way. And, uh, you know, you know, the underdog was able to really accumulate some stats. I'm going to try it in a few. Um, but I, I think just, you know, penciling in one of these guys is, is the right move. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, another uh, question that we got was in relation to FanDuel. And, and the question was, if you're doing 10 lineups, how many different fighters do you slot in the MVP? Of course, uh, I was working on a piece that we're going to have up on awesomeo.com this week in terms of, of my rankings you know, as I look at the fighters that I want to have, uh, you know, shares in MVP on FanDuel, both sides of the main event, even though Khabib at $24, man, he's really got to pay off for that price. I mean, it's it's an expensive price you got to pay. But even Justin Gaethje at $18, I, I don't mind that. Um, I, I think you have to look at the heavyweight fights. Um, you know, Volkov and Harris and, God, I hate to trust Struve or, or Tuovasa, but I think those are fights you got to look at, particularly as a first-round finish. You have to look at... Uh, and Kalayev in that one. Maybe if you think Kutalaba can pull off the upset. Uh, but but to me, I think those are the fights to really look at, and I'm sure there's probably some other uh, fighters that you look at in terms of FanDuel as an MVP. I mean, if I was ever playing on FanDuel, uh, what I would do is, you know, probably take some chances on some fighters that are going to be defending a ton of takedowns. So maybe Justin Gaethje is more of a FanDuel play where, you know, in an MVP spot, if he can defend a ton of takedowns, you're talking about how crazy his uh, his score can get elevated because of that. Granted, he would still have to win the fight, but you know, if you, put, I wish Gaethje wasn't 18 over there. That, that's the problem with Fanduel is that you know they price up the the main event. But you know, there are some other fighters in here that, um, you know, if they could defend takedowns, you know, you're looking at great potential in order to spend up in other spots. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that we always talk about. I mean, it's I I hate the Fanduel pricing you know, in terms of how they price the main event. But I get it, you know. I mean, look, if Justin Gaethje was, you know, $12, $13, he'd be the most popular fighter on the car because everyone would take him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the main event, like, on DraftKings, right, you really feel like, oh, my God, Habib should go in there and totally wipe out Justin Gaethje. But in reality, this is the number one against number two guy in the world. So, you know, the, the price 
difference is a little drastic over on DraftKings. So if you do favor uh, Habib, um, you know, that's, you're really having to select him over other quality 9,000 options. If you favor you know, Justin Gaethje, it allows you a lot of lineup flexibility. Yeah, that's, that's going to get into it, but let's get right into the main event. Habib Nurmagomedov, Justin Gaethje, lightweight title unification bout 9,200 for Habib on DK, 7,000 for Gaethje. Uh, we mentioned about the FanDuel pricing of 24 and 18. Then over in Superdraft, one times for just for uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, 1.45 times for Justin Gaethje. I mean, I mean, this is, you know, the one thing that we've always known that Gaethje has wrestling in his back pocket. We haven't seen it. He has been taken down twice. I believe that the, the statistic is he's been on his back 15 seconds in his UFC run. I mean, look, we, we both know that, you know, that is going to be the game plan. You know, watching the countdown show, I, I found it really intriguing kind of as they, they talked about both sides of this fight, particularly about the relationship of the coaching aspect of it, of, you know, how close Trevor Whitman and, and Justin Gaethje are. And also, you know, obviously the dynamic with Javier Mendez, you know, taking over everything with Habib's father passing away earlier this year. And the one thing I found really interesting was they were showing footage from the Connor fight. And Javier Mendez, I want to say the term was, I want to say, was it me father's plan? Yeah. And, you know, and, it's, it's a great point because like, um, you know, Javier Mendez is essentially a father figure to Habib. And, uh, you know, this is a ton of stress in a situation like this. Um, you know, we saw Walt Harris in his fight against uh, Alistair Overeem, you know, with the death of his daughter. Um, how is he going to respond to the pressures of stuff like that? Habib does have a tendency to stray away from the game plan because he, he likes to show off that hard work that he's been grinding, man. Like he's a well, well-rounded mixed martial artist, but he's so dominant in the grappling area. And that's where you see Javier Mendez to your point, what you were probably going to say is that, you know, Javier Mendez is screaming at him, father's plan, father's plan. And I would hope that, that the emotion of this event doesn't get to Habib Nurmagomedov because if he slips up, Justin Gaethje will definitely take advantage of it. And um, if there's ever a time, Jason, to stick to father's plan and dedicate a fight to him, you would imagine it would be this. So, you know, Justin Gaethje in a spot like this, so talented, will work back up to his feet. But us DFS players will welcome that. You know, you know, I will gladly see Justin Gaethje stand up and just keep getting taken down, rinse and repeat. Um, I'm favoring Habib in the matchup, and I think that despite the heavy price tag, I, I love him. I, I really do. Yeah, you know, uh, there was a funny uh, comment uh, in the chat from Jordan. He goes, how tilted is everyone going to be when fight metric gives could be 13 out of 155 significant strikes? Oh, yeah. I I think, like, there are certain fighters that they look at and they're like, okay, pitter-patter, we're not considering that as significant. But what Habib does, mm-hmm. everything is significant. And, uh, you know, he has so much violence behind everything he does. Um, you know, the tenacity, everything like he could land 20 takedowns, Jason. We've seen him do that before in a three round fight. Like, can you imagine like there's levels to this? And I do think Justin Gaethje is super skilled, but Justin Gaethje has shown, you know, a susceptibility to cardio as well. Like he, he fades as the fight goes on. Yeah, it's I mean, that that's like you asked me the question earlier this week. You said, you know, would you be surprised if if Habib knocks him out, and my general thought is if it does happen, I think it, it happens later on in the fight. Of course, uh, this is the UFC 254 MMA strategy show right here 
on awesomeo.com and be sure to sign up for an awesomeo plus pass weekly pass for 29.95 you get all those premium content tools that myself and pete use every week here on ufc events but if you're just looking for mma pass 8.95 all you gotta do is go to awesomeo.com slash join to sign up for today and of course uh when it comes to mma that top fires tool is definitely a tool that you want to use as a tool that myself and pete use on the daily uh but i mean look i i in terms of the main event i think you have to have some shares of justin gage i, I think you you can't avoid it um you know look i i think you know on FanDuel the 24 dollar price tag is pricey man it is pricey you're, you're if you take you know habib over on FanDuel, you're gonna have to take some chances and, and you're just your hope is that he can score you know to me i i think that you know, Habib is probably going to be chalk in terms of MVP. We'll kind of see how ownership dictates uh, over the next couple of days. He's probably going to be the most popular MVP pick, um, you know, but and rightfully so. I, I think he should be. I mean, it's but uh, it, it's just stylistically, it's just an interesting fight because the pressure that Justin Gaethje is going to bring. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say the most obvious statement in the world and salary will reflect ownership, right? So um, there will be casuals who see the highest priced person or something out there, uh, player, and they will, you know, just pencil them in and then try to make it work, whether they know the spot or the sport or not. Um, um, you know, a lot of players will try to get away from that expensive salary because it, it makes it very difficult for lineup construction. So like on FanDuel, I would be surprised to see Habib Nurmagomedov's ownership to be crazy high because it's difficult to generate lineups over on FanDuel typically anyways. And now you're talking 24, um, the five rounds, it's totally warranted. So, I mean, if ownership comes out, Jason, and you know, our, our ownership is really, really accurate. Um, if it comes out and he's low, take advantage of that. It's a very nice leverage play. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's something you got you got to look at uh, in, in terms of this. We do got to mention, of course, we know Michael Chandler is in Abu Dhabi as a backup plan. Uh, you know, obviously we, we hope that nothing happens here, but I think we, we do have to kind of discuss of what happens if Michael Chandler has to step into this fight. I mean, he, he was kind of joking, uh, yesterday that he's like, Hey, I guess I'm going to go to the arena. I'm going to have my gloves on. I'm going to be in my fight kit ready to go. Um, you know, kind of break it down in terms of how Chandler would match up against either one of these guys, man, talk about a monkey wrench in a situation like that. Um, you know, we, we don't want to see that happen, but Habib, and some main events in quarantine, they, they haven't had the best of luck. Um, if Chandler was to step in, I think that um, Justin Gaethje would have the, the most difficult time adjusting because Justin Gaethje's whole camp has been a lot on, you know, wrestling defense. And uh, if, say, Habib was scratched and uh, Michael Chandler comes in and is facing Justin Gaethje, now you're talking to a guy um, who has – equal punching power, equal boxing skill, overall MMA game, and can work takedowns as well. And that unknown factor is kind of, um, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. Now, if, say, Gaethje gets scratched for whatever reason, COVID or something, and Michael Chandler steps up, I think, you know, I think Chandler's very, very talented, but I think Habib, you know, that that's it's pretty similar to facing Justin Gaethje. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. It should be uh, an interesting one to see how that one does play out. Co-main event is Robert Wicker versus Jared Cannier. 
basically uh, the, the way to, to describe this one, it's a number one contenders matchup in the middleweight division. Uh, you know, Israel Adesanya mentioned after his t- successful title defense that if he got the that if uh, Jerry Cannonier had an impressive performance, he was next. Dana White about a week ago mentioned that yeah, it's you know he he saw the winner of this matchup getting uh, the title shot. Whitaker eighty two hundred or excuse me, Whitaker eight thousand. Jared Cannonier, $8,200. Then over on FanDuel, $17 for Jared Cannonier, $15 for Robert Whitaker. Then over on Superdraft, 1.35 times for the former champion of Whitaker, 1.3 times for Jared Cannonier. Obviously, this is uh, your favorite fight of the night, the 8200 8000 But uh, break it down for us. Man, so Jared Cannonier, man. Talk about a guy who has really come down from the heavyweight division now you know, light heavyweight, now middleweight. I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, the transformation over time is incredible. And uh, he looks absolutely shredded Uh, to think that that guy was a couple weight classes higher is crazy. Um, And now that he's at 185 pounds, he looks, you know, comfortable. It doesn't seem like he has a hard problem making the weight. Um, His skills have really elevated over time. Um, You know, with this price range, Jason, it's always a very pivotal matchup because, you know, it's borderline 7K that in a win could really outperform their salary and break the slate. So you have to be very careful with this. Uh, you know, you have a significant discount with Robert Whitaker, who, you know, before Israel Adesanya has looked like a machine. Like he really has, you know, ever since that Stephen Wonderboy, you know, loss, he's been on a roll and then, you know, gets caught by Israel Adesanya um, and then has a nice, turnaround fight against Darren Till looked pretty good in there, but did get dropped. And I was actually favoring Till in the matchup just based on, you know, I thought, you know, the damage of the UL Romero fights have really taken its toll on Robert Whitaker, which it probably still has. We did see him get rocked and get dropped. And he does have the ability to do the same to his opponent. Like um, he's so skilled everywhere. Like he has under underrated grappling. If I was Robert Whitaker, I would be chaining takedowns together because standing there and striking with Jared Cannonier. The guy hits too hard, especially if you've been dropped by plenty of people and hurt by plenty of people. So um, it's an interesting matchup, man. But I'm actually favored Jar- uh, favoring Jared Kinnanier here, despite being six and four in the UFC. Whitaker has the twelve and three uh, UFC experience, you know, advantage here. I just think Kinnanier's on the rise. I really do, and I know Whitaker's only twenty nine. This is kind of make or break for Jared Kinnanier at thirty six. Let me ask you this: Who's got the better boxing? I would say Cannoneer. And the reason I would say that is because like Whitaker has very good hands, but they're deceptive angles. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, I don't like so much how his hands are always so low. Um, 
you know, with, with his hands being so low, they come from odd angles and they, you catch a lot of people with back fists and, you know, upper jabs and all this stuff that, you know, they're not normally accustomed to seeing. But as far as crisp striking, I think Jared Cannonier takes it. I really do. He has great kicks as well. Um, you know, and I don't think he makes as many defensive mistakes as Robert Whitaker kind of does. Mm-hmm. You know, you get used to getting away with these things of keeping your hands low because you got big gloves on when you're sparring in the gym or you, you've been on a roll in the UFC. I mean, who am I to tell Whitaker how to fight? But, you know, if I'm sitting there poking holes at things, I do see holes in Whitaker's defense. So I, I'm thinking Jared Cannonier can exploit it and get a, get a W here. I guess my question with Jared Cannonier is, I mean, look, I think there's no doubt in my mind he's got the power advantage, but what happens if he can't get the knockout in for seven minutes? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think what's very interesting is how this is a three-round fight. Who does that favor? Uh, Whitaker, you know, maybe he starts off slow and, you know, thinks that he has rounds in the bank, whereas he can, you know, resort to the final the final push of the final two-and-a-half you know, rounds or whatever to kind of steal the victory. You know, if he falls behind from a fast paced, aggressive Jared Cannonier, mm-hmm. you know, he may run out of time. And I, I don't know if I really see a finish coming in this fight. You would imagine, but I do think that regardless of how the fight goes, it's, it's a very important fight to target. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, it's it, from the, the price point aspect to me is where, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm saying, man, this is this is a price point I think that you have to look at. I mean, I just, you know, it, it's my only fear is that what, it, you know, in a GPP scenario, if this fight goes 15 minutes, is it optimal? It's very tough to say if it's just striking because uh, they don't have like crazy high volume. Actually, Robert Whitaker has the volume edge at four and a half strikes uh, per minute. But, um, you know, what's interesting is kind of like uh, the new shiny toy comes around and everybody likes the new shiny toy and you forget about the old reliable toy, which former champion Robert Whitaker, 8,000 price range. I mean, you're talking about an affordable, affordable uh, fighter on this slate. So, you know, don't overlook it. I don't think it's a bad play either way. I think this is a very important matchup. And it's really just who shows up that night. I think the reach advantage, the four-inch reach advantage of Cannoneer could cause some issues to Whitaker. So uh, I get, I mean, I'm excited for the fight, but we'll have to see. Here's the other thing we got to mention about with this fight Island card. It is not, you know, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning. This is prime time in Abu Dhabi. So this would be like a normal pay-per-view start time. So got, you know, these fighters have not had to, you know, basically they, you know, they could be on Abu Dhabi's schedule as opposed to staying on the U.S. schedule or wherever they may live in the world. I think that's another thing to kind of remember because this is an afternoon pay-per-view here, so something to uh, kind of think about in terms of this one. You know, I mentioned uh, earlier on the show that I I think you have to look at these heavyweight fights on this card. Let's talk about the first one here of Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris. Volkov, 8,600 on DK, 7,600 for Walt Harris. Over on FanDuel, 17 for Volkov, 15 for Harris, and over on uh, Superdraft, 1.25 1.25 times for Volkov and 1.45 times for Harris. You know, you, you think about, uh, you know, Walt's fight earlier this year against Officer Overeem. I mean, look, he was close to winning that fight, you know, and then just uh, the gas tank got out here. I mean, look, to me, I, I you tell me who's a better mixed martial artist, it's Alexander Volkov. I think there's not a doubt in my mind he's a better one. But to me, when I say who's got the power advantage, it's Walt Harris. Yeah, you know, and what's crazy is I just had to really just check and make sure I didn't have a typo. 
Volkov's 31 and Harris is 37. Like that really blows my mind. I felt, I feel like Volkov's been around for so long, but it goes to show you that 31 and eight, the guy has a wealth of experience. He's so, so talented. He's the better fighter here. And there's no question. He's the better fighter here. Um, Overall, he's the better striker. He has the better experience. He's fought the better opponents over the years. Walt Harris, I shouldn't say he's a one-trick pony, but he's very good at what he does. He's an early finisher. So, I mean, at 7,600, you're talking about a guy that really hunts for finishes and goes for it. Perhaps he makes some adjustments because you saw what happened in the Alistair Overeem fight. Um, You kind of punch yourself out of situations. And, you know, each fight, fighters need to make adjustments. That's how you improve. That's how you really start to, uh, you know, eliminate all of your holes in your game. And, you know, it's a checklist. So maybe this is going to be a part of his checklist that he's going to try to to fix. But dealing with the the height and the reach of Volkov is a very tough task. Now, let's also think back when Volkov fought Greg Hardy, right? Mm -hmm. Greg Hardy really had no business being in that fight. He really had no business being in that fight. Um, Walt Harris is a lot better than Greg Hardy. And it's a lot harder than Greg Hardy. If if Harris connects, Volkov's going out. Like, he really is. Whereas Volkov, in a victory, Jason, I don't think that he's probably one of the best plays on the slate. He's priced, you know, mid-range, mid-range 8,600. I think he would have to do a lot, um, you know, because outside of Harris gassing and taking advantage, a, a decision's probably not going to do it there at that price range. No, I mean, I, I think you me, um, I like the value of Walt Harris, but I also understand there's a reason he's an underdog in the fight. There, there's a reason for it. I would say I like him more on the DK side of the things than I do the FanDuel side of things. I just think there's a little more value over on DK. But, um, you know, I mean, look, you know, Volkov, you think about last week, Jessica Andrade was a slate breaker last week. If you had Jessica Andrade in your lineup, Okay, all right, all right. I mean, come on. You trying to do that Donald Trump dance over there? You need to put a little face of pain on for you? That's good. That's good. Hey, man, you know, I like Jessica Andrade, and she came through. Beautiful body shot. Did I see that happening? No. You know what I mean? Like, that's why MMA is the most unpredictable thing in the world. I probably thought it was going to be heavy punches and takedowns. Um, but, you know, I get what you're saying. I mean, Harris is 6-7 and seven in the UFC. Volkov is one of the best heavyweights out there. It's the truth. He really is. He's so technical, striking. Um, you know, he out. I mean, he was outclassing Tarek Lewis. He really was. And then he gets hit with one bomb, and the same thing could happen here. But you know, the smart play is Volkov mm-hmm. GPP territory. It's Harris because uh, you know when he wins, it's early. Yeah, but I, I think it's a fight that you definitely you do have to look at potentially rostering here. Uh, next up, we got uh, Malcoon and Hawes. Hawes ninety one hundred. What's your uh, what's your take on uh, Phil Hawes at ninety one hundred here, dude? I love Phil Hawes. I really do. Um, now, am I am I in love with his price range? Probably not. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's making his UFC debut. Um, you know, who fell short his first time on the Contender Series and uh, in dramatic fashion, and had a very nice performance in his second invite back to you know the Contender Series. Uh, he's been a guy that's been really touted for years. Like uh, John Jones was touting him for years. Um, I remember watching Phil Hawes train back when I was, you know, staying in Albuquerque for a little bit. And I just remember saying like, oh my God, I thought this guy was just a solid wrestler. 
his striking's really come so far. Like he's really, really talented. Now at Sanford MMA, you're surrounded by talented coaches. Uh, he's really matured facing a guy who's only four and um, you know, trains with Robert Whitaker, you know, Mal- Malcolm's tough has probably the jujitsu advantage, but overall MMA game and grappling it's, it's Phil Hawes for me. Um, you know, I, I just think that he's fought the better competition. He's seen the bright lights. He's ready for, you know, for an opportunity like this 9,100. I, I really like Phil Hawes. Yeah. It's one that I was, I was kind of, as I was, kind of put it as i was in fancy cruncher put in my exposures i was like man how much phil halls do i want to have yeah you know because i was like man i don't you know i don't want to be overweight on him yeah i mean you have to be careful right you know tread carefully because debuting fighter technically because he was only on the contender series uh you know facing another you know debuting fighter so uh what are you gonna get i mean we've seen people in quarantine step up on short notice and really, really deliver. And, uh, you know, that, that unknown factor really works to people's advantage. Like, you know, especially in a situation like this, his teammate, Robert Whitaker, you know what I mean? Like people get motivated by certain things and motivation is a real factor behind, you know, performance definitely is, but it's Phil Hawes for me. I, I really like him. I think he's a strong play. Yeah. Phil Hawes is a guy that, I mean, I mean, I feel like I've been talking about him for like, eight years yeah he's just he's been he's been a guy that's been on everyone's radar for that long he's so good he really is i'm so happy like i love it when i i hate seeing prospects you know really go off the tracks right especially if it's due to mismanagement um but i love the comeback story like i love seeing them start to finally grow into themselves you know what i mean like and i think you have a special talent here then we got a uh, a female matchup that was initially supposed to be Lauren Murphy versus Cynthia Calvillo. However, Calvillo tested positive for COVID-19 last week. And now we got a UFC debuter here, Shakarova. She's 7400 on, on DK, 8800 for Murphy. Then over on FanDuel, $19 for Murphy, $11 for her opponent. Then over on Superdraft, 1.15 times for Murphy and Shakarova, 1.55 times. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, Murphy should win this fight based on her ranking in the division, what she's done lately. Uh, you know, if you're a Murphy, you, you've been around the UFC and been around women's MMA for quite some time. You don't lose to a debuting fighter. Now, I don't really think Murphy's that good. Uh, I think she's okay everywhere. Um, and I do think that Shakarova does present some problems. But Shakarova's replacing Calvillo, who Calvillo has very, very strong grappling. And I, I think that went, you know, under the radar against the Jessica I fight. And now really people are starting to understand how strong of a grappler she is. So Murphy, I would imagine this whole camp was working on takedown defense. Uh, Shakarova has, you know, a lot of, you know, grappling in her arsenal as well, former national champion in, grapp- in wrestling. So the takedowns will be there. 7,400 is enticing, but debuting fighter fighting, uh, you know, five and four Laura Murphy who in the UFC, you know, I mean, Laura Murphy should win the fight. I mean, she really should, but I will sprinkle Shakarova in based on the takedowns. I mean, takedowns, if you have the wrestler under 8K, you have to be on notice. You have to, Jason, because you talk about three takedowns, you get a couple advances they're gonna they're gonna break the slate one hundred percent. Yeah, Andrew uh, brought up the point. He says he goes. I have a sick feeling Lauren Murphy is gonna break the slate. I I don't disagree. I I think that you know this is a matchup 
that is like a toxic matchup, you know, and it's like a toxic relationship. You know what I mean? Like, this is like something we gotta, we gotta pay attention to. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, look, it's, I, I would imagine, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've, I've briefly looked at ownership of what we had. Um, you know, Murphy, I, I think, especially on, I, I would say on both slates, I don't think her ownership is going to be something that's going to scare you off. And yeah, I mean, she very well could, could break the slate here, but uh, you're going to need to finish there. Now, uh, the opening fight of the pay-per-view is a fight that um, must roster. Must roster. Ooh. Oh, I I don't see. I don't know. I'm just so sick and tired of this fight. I feel like I might be biased. Like, we've seen it already. It was scheduled three other times. Give it a break. Give it a rest. I don't need to see it again. Stop booking it. I don't care how much they hate it. You know what I mean? Like, some fights are just not meant to happen. Clearly, this is not meant to happen again. I mean, the first one, the stoppage was a little questionable. But, I mean, Kudalaba was hurt. He was hurt, absolutely. Uh, maybe he started to play into being hurt to try to lure in, you know, uh, Ankalaev. But terrible game plan. Um, I think Ankalaev, this is almost the same fight as Volkov-Harris, right? Mm-hmm. Ankalaev's the better fighter. Kudalaba has that same KO pop, has that same finishing ability, has that same aggression that Walt Harris does, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's going to be a popular, you know, GPP play 100% because you you look at, at a highlight video of Kudalaba, what he's done. But in those highlights, he's walking down lesser men and he's really exposing himself defensively. So I think Ankalaev in a victory – I think that he just really puts on another perform, another strong performance. But I have some weird feeling, Jason, that they might be a little tentative. Like they, neither one of them really want to make a mistake. This this fight's been booked five times. Yeah, uh, it, look, it, it's. I was just looking at the prop bets on this one. I just feel like you just take the under one and a half rounds at plus one hundred five, and just you know, take it I, to the bank. I don't think I don't think I don't think this fight makes it out of the first round. I think it's a trap. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the most obvious things in the world, right, are traps. And I see what you're saying because we saw it before. But Kudalaba, right, should get smarter and realize like I can't go in reckless against a guy that can outclass me. And Ankalaev can outclass him. I mean he, he's really talented, you know, besides the one slip up against Paul Craig, the guy is super, super talented. Yeah. I just like, look, I, I think in terms of Ian Kutalaba, I, I think I, I'll probably be around five, 10% shares on him in, in terms of, I mean, look to me, if Kutalaba, whoever wins this fight, I, I do feel is going to get the finish. I, I think the only matter is, is how quickly does the finish come? You know, you don't want a 10 second knockout because that happens at, uh, likely, you know, it's kind of like last week with, with Syed Nur- Nurmagomedov. Yeah, he got a 51-second knockout. It looked great, but he wasn't yeah. optimal. Yeah, it was the Francis Ngannou effect. And, uh, you know, Ankalaev hits, and maybe he's just angry. And he goes out there, hits him a couple times, finishes him, and then, you know, you basically just get the first-round victory and not too many significant strikes or, or whatnot. And, uh, you know, the later it goes into the first round, the more happy you will be, you know, especially if it ends, like, 459 of round one. Um, but, you know, it, it's a fight that is going to be a popular fight. This could be a contrarian pivot. 
you know, I think this this fight's going to carry some heavy, heavy ownership. Uh, people in the chat are basically saying, uh, "Look for the fires with the last the last name ending in a V, and you'll be in a good a good position." It's not a bad strategy. My mom's like, every single time, every single time uh, we we watch the fights or whatnot, she's always favoring people from Russia or Dagestan, whatnot. She's you know she knows her stuff. Yeah. Well, in your family, how can she not? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's got. It's got. It's it's in the blood. It's in the blood. That is true. You know, but of course, this is the MMA Strategy Show right here on AwesomeMode.com. Do want to let you know about today's free MMA premium content over at AwesomeMode.com, MMA Fighter Projections. So you can check that out over at AwesomeMode.com. Also, uh, we talked about it last week. We now have an express pass for only two ninety five. dollars You got to check out that as well as we just added that that over to our premium platform over there at AwesomeMode.com. And uh, do want to let you know about a giveaway that we have going on right now. If you go over to the Osmo MMA DFS Twitter account, which is at Osmo MMA DFS, the, check out the pin tweet. It's pick the winner between Habib and Gaethje, and you'll have a chance for a free month of Osmo Plus MMA. One random winner will be picked among the correct guesses. You must like the tweet and follow both the MMA and our, our regular Osmo Twitter account handle. So be sure to check that out right now if you want to win our nice little giveaway that is going on over there. Uh, Pete, let's move over to the prelims. We got a heavyweight matchup that is going to be the feature preliminary matchup. And uh, how do you trust either one of these guys? I don't know how you can trust either one of them, Jason. Now, let me propose a question to you. Which fight do you think is more pivotal and more essential? Volkov Harris or Struve Tuivasa? And we're talking about GPP performance. We're not talking about confidence in a picker or whatnot. Which fight do you think is the more likely fight to end up in GPPs? God. Ooh. My gut says Shrew to Avasa. That's what I'm saying. When I was breaking down the card, you know, I, I look at salaries last, right? Um, I think that this fight is extremely pivotal for GPPs. I think that you have to look at this fight. I would almost consider this a must-roster fight. And the reason is because, you know, Stefan Struve has so many gifts, man. He really does. He's a skyscraper, has reach, doesn't know how to use it. But I, I was you know, going to say that, like, he doesn't have the tools of knowing how to use that reach. Yeah, I mean, no matter what you teach him, he just, you know, does not use his advantages. And, uh, and if the guy ever really worked on front kicks, calf kicks, straight punches, knees up the middle, I really don't see too many people beating him. I mean, he has a ground game better than a lot of people in the heavyweight division as well that he can resort to. The problem is, is, you know, he backs himself up sometimes. He gets cornered and he gets hit with big looping shots. And, you know, Tai Tuivasa may not be the most skilled guy. He's three and three in the UFC. Did have a ton of hype. Has dropped several in a row now. He has KO pop, man. He really does. And uh, both these guys make plenty of mistakes. Um, Tuivasa has been training his takedown defense like crazy. But guess what? I still think if Stefan Struve wants to take him down, he takes him down and subs him pretty easily. Gets a, you know, gets some crazy, crazy points based on transitions and ground and pound and all that. I can really see just a, you know, Struve outclassing him on the mat at 8,300. If he goes that route, Jason, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, Tai Ivasa, if he lands a big shot, you probably know Stefan Struve's going down. I mean, he, he cannot really take too, too many shots now. Um, Stefan Struve is 13 and 10 in the UFC. So man, oh man, 
volatile matchup. I will hammer my exposure here. As much as it hurts me to say, I feel like Tui Vasa clips him. I feel like Tui Vasa clips him. I really do. And he's been training at AKA leading up to this fight too. Right, but that's interesting, right? Because he was training at AKA, but we have to think about COVID guidelines, right? Like Habib, what gyms have shut down? I mean, if you watch the the countdown, I know you did. They came in and they forced people out of AKA. Well, yeah, he was in, he was in Abu Dhabi. That that's where Habib did his training. But I mean, look, there there's guys who are finding ways to train over there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that you know the question is, and I don't know if you uh, if you saw our, our good buddy Randy Costa, he put a tweet out. He said, since there's no fans. John Anik, are you going to do a shoey if Tuivasa uh, wins? And and Anik just goes in. Yeah, I that's awesome. I love Anik. Anik is one of my favorite people, a part of the UFC. Um, Bro, I'm never doing a shoey. Nah, 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 me either. Do, uh, do, do, do. I'm good. I'm good. Like uh, I, I want to know where did that originate from? Like, how drunk was someone who made a bet and go, you know what? If I if you lose this, win this bet, I'll drink out of your shoe. Like. How drunk did you have to be to come with that bet? It's a pretty genius bet. I mean, it really is. I mean, you could get somebody to agree to that. That's crazy. Um, you know, Jason, this fight, I mean, the odds tell you Struve's a, a minus 115, slight favorite. Tuivasa, minus 105. It's a pick It really is. Uh, the the length, the the nine-inch uh, reach advantage for Stefan Struve, the, that's crazy. That is crazy. You know, the nine-inch height advantage to Struve, I think Tui Vasa clips him and hurts him, right? Mm-hmm. But my brain and the smart play is Struve all day because Struve is the better fighter. Struve is the better overall mixed martial artist. I will probably have more Struve despite me knowing Tui Vasa probably clips him. Will you play it in cash, though? If I'm playing in cash, I'm playing Struve. Really? Yeah, because, you know, I don't th- I don't really think Tui Vasa is that good, truthfully. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's tough to trust either one of these guys. That That's my thing. It's just, it's tough yeah. for me to trust them. Oh, it's 100%. I, there's plenty in cash. There's plenty of other fights that I would prefer to have in my lineups. But like if for some reason, roster construction is landing me on this fight, which the salary will, and this is why this is a very, very important matchup. I, I would lean true. Now, the fight that has me the most interested on the prelims is actually the matchup we're going to talk about next, and that mm-hmm. is Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. This is going to be at 140 pounds. This is a great matchup of two 135ers. Uh, Casey Kenny coming off that win on Fight Island. Uh, he actually came back to the United States, and I asked him about that. I said, was there any thought of, of staying in Abu Dhabi? He's like, well, my coaches have family, and uh, them sitting in Abu Dhabi for three weeks wasn't exactly uh, in the cards for me. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Casey Kenny, this is, I mean, his last fight, I mean, he beat the living crap out of his opponent. Just couldn't get the finish there. This this is a great matchup. Um, man, I, I just, the price tag on Casey Kenny at 8700 I just don't know if he pays it off. This is going to be a very, very closely contested match. It really is. Casey Kenny, 8700 priced up based on his previous dominant performance. I mean, the guy... You know, and he didn't really score that well like he should have for as how dominant it was. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it was like several 10-8 rounds in there. Like, Casey Kenny was amazing. Uh, you know, in this matchup, though, Nathaniel Wood is super, super talented. Um, 
And I think a lot of people could just be forgetting how good he is. I mean, minus that minor setback to uh, John Dodson, the guy is well-rounded. He really is. He has, you know, great striking, great grappling, you know, good jujitsu, good ground and pound, good everything. Guess what? So does Casey Kenny. So it's who can implement their game plan. You know, Casey Kenny being a southpaw, you know, definitely throws a monkey wrench in some things because people don't have the easiest time dealing with southpaws. And it sounds like it's such an easy thing to work on, but it's not. Things come from different angles. Um, I think I might shock some people. I'm back in Nathaniel Wood here. I really am. I I think that Casey Kenny is very talented. Casey Kenny, solid striking, solid grappling. I do think that Nathaniel Wood is talented enough to do everything standing up and possibly put him in a bad position on the mat. Yeah, I, I was looking at this one as more of a cash game play than I was GPP. Um, yeah, it doesn't see it doesn't say GPP written on it for me. Like, you no. know what I mean? Like this fight, this fight is going to be so back and forth, right? So maybe the the points are just not going to be there because they're kind of nullifying each other. You know, uh, you know, Kenny goes for a takedown attempt, he gets stuff. Wood tries it, he gets stuff. Uh, I would imagine Kenny likes to stand and bang a little bit more, but you know, counter grappling is a thing. And uh, you know, it, maybe it's a little underwhelming performance for both of them from a DFS aspect. Let me ask you if you think uh, I am wrong in this one, uh, the fact of Alex Cowboy Oliveira may be the favorite that people are looking and going against this week. Yeah, I, I would, I would totally agree with that and i think that uh you know Oliveira here at 8500 is priced up just because the guy has 18 ufc fights i mean 18 ufc fights priced at 8500 shouldn't lose to a debuting fighter um rachmanov coming in at 7700 but guess what rachmanov he's not just any debuting fighter this is a guy that's been hyped up for quite some time and uh you know a lot of people are really really high on him i you know Oliveira is kind of a guy that i've just thought was eh He's okay. Um, he's underperformed in some situations, overperformed. The guy is talented. I mean, if he can kind of fix his cardio issues and uh, balance his aggressive striking with dominant grappling, the guy can be a force. He really can. But uh, he makes plenty of mistakes on the feet. And, you know, Rachmanov here, he throws bombs. He hurts people. He has good submissions. Decent takedown defense. Um, good counter gra- counter grappling. But, uh, you know... I am favoring Rachmanov. He's probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite, uh, 7K option for me. I, and I think that's probably going to be a chalky play. I mean, I got to imagine at $14 on FanDuel, that's got to be one of your favorite under $15 plays. Yeah, I, I think that's on FanDuel. That's a that's a nice little check for me. Um, it's not an easy fight by any means. It, it's really not. I mean, Oliveira has beaten plenty of UFC talented fighters. But, uh, you know, Rachmanov... He hits so hard he can change he can change the fight with one strike. Um, you know, he has he's just aggressive. And you know me, I like to target aggressive guys. Now, I will say that on watching tape, Rachmanov has been has been wobbled in the past. You know, I have seen him wobbled. I have seen him taken down because guess what? He hunts guillotine chokes. And if you hunt guillotine chokes a little bit too much, you uh you're susceptible to getting double legged and and you know taken down easy. Because you're hunting that finish, and then if you don't get it, now you're on your back. So uh, Oliveira needs to go the grappling route if he plans on winning here. Uh, next up, uh, we'll move along to uh, Sam Alvey, who I just can't roster. There's just no way I can roster him. 
I don't blame you. I mean, Da Eun Jung here, 9,400. Talk about being priced up, a guy who's only 2-0 in UFC. I think it's more of fading Sam Alvey mm-hmm. at this point. Oh, yeah. Sam Alvey, 10-9, and comes in at 6,800, Jason. The guy, Sam Alvey, is just deceptive. And what I mean is he hits you from odd angles and makes fights closer than they should be. Um, you know, Sam Alvey, like, there, there are plenty of fights that he shouldn't be competitive in, and he really is. But in saying that, he's on a really rough patch right now. Like, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I felt confident about Sam Alvey. I mean, but, you know, Sam Sam does have that power to really change the fight. And at 6,800, Jason, if this is going to be a striking match, and somehow the judges think that he, you know, that they favor it towards him, if he gets 60 five points at 6,800, depending on how the slate goes, he could break the slate. So I will actually sprinkle him in. But as far as confidence, Donald Jung's a killer, man. Like he, he's got KO power. He's so talented. He's the play. Donald Jung is the play. So the last time Sam Alvey landed more than 60 significant strikes in a fight, you got to go back four years, bro. Who is it against? Spicely? Alex Nicholson. My goodness. That's what I'm saying. Like So like this is so I'll just go down down the fight. So split decision loss against Ryan Spann, yeah. 57 significant strikes. Unanimous decision loss against Abreu, 28 significant strikes. Uh he got knocked out by Crude, only land three in that one. Got knocked out by Rogerio Noguera in the second round land, 34 there. Split decision against John Volante, 53 strikes. A he got the knockout win. Against Pratch, you know. Uh, then he had a unanimous decision loss against Razan. Only 29 significant strikes landed. He only landed 40 significant strikes against Rashad Evans in a split decision. I mean, there's a trend you're going down there. This is a guy that just doesn't throw volume. That's why I'm just like, I, I see Sam Alvey and I'm like, I want no part of it. I don't blame you. I mean, like, I play multiple lineups and I know you do too. I'll take a shot on him because uh, if – if Daung Jung wants to win this fight, he will force his hand, right? Sometimes, like, Daung Jung's going to go get in your face and really throw bombs to try to finish you because the guy has great finishing ability. A 92% finish rate out of 13 victories is pretty damn good, Jason. So, uh, you know, Sam Alvey doesn't want to be an everlasting punching bag and just, you know, just sit there and take shots. So if Daung Jung forces his hand, Albie's going to have to counter more than he may be used to, which could possibly elevate his score. But uh, that that's like a, you know, one time out of 10 type of deal for me. Yeah. I, to me, I, it's a, 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 a fight where I'm either I'm paying up for Jung or I'm just passing. I, I, I just, you know, totally I, I can't, I can't roster Sam Albie. Uh, then we got Joe Jua versus uh, Maverick. And I know when I was doing some, uh, crutches earlier today Miranda Maverick was uh she was coming up big time yeah you know I don't know if I I will really pay 9300 for her I'd rather pay Habib or Phil Hawes for me just because I know what I'm getting uh, and you know women's MMA is slightly more unpredictable than other divisions uh, Maverick especially because she's making her UFC debut don't know what you're gonna get UFC nerves are a real thing. Now you're talking about UFC nerves over in Abu Dhabi, possibly on one of the biggest cards ever. So uh, you don't want to bank on the fight so much, but it is a very nice matchup. The girl's extremely talented. 
Um, she's really shown that she could be dominant and, uh, she's a very well-rounded fighter, striking, grappling, jujitsu. Um, Jojua's chance is take her down and work towards a submission. Truthfully, that's really her only shot. But based on their finishing rates, Jason, 71% from Maverick, 88% from Jojua, I will, I would definitely target this fight. I just might be a little bit underweight on the, on the ownership of Maverick and, uh, pivot to some of the 9k options, but. She's a quality play for sure. Of course, appreciate everyone who's here on a Wednesday night. Watch us live here. Uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube. Also, hit that subscribe button, notification bell, so you know when a new show is up here on awesomeboat.com. And uh, we'll let you know live before lock early, 9 a.m. East Coast time on Saturday, leading you up to the first fight, which will be at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. So uh, do, do, do I got to send you a little wake-up call in the morning? Make sure you're up. What you say, 9 or 9.30? 9 a.m. All right, perfect. So I will have coffee in hand. I will be probably half asleep, but uh, no, I'll be good. I'm excited, man. I can't wait. I'm pumped for this card. It's a little interesting that they chose the biggest card ever. Well, one of the biggest cards ever to put it on in the afternoon. There's one reason, one reason only. It's because of uh, Habib's. They They want Habib in prime time in Russia. Yeah, that's what I was saying because of his fan base. Um, you know, and I, I just think it's interesting that they didn't try just one other, but it, it makes sense. Um, I know plenty of people that will not be tuning in are slightly disappointed because of the time. So that stinks. But uh, Bro, I'm all for it, man. I am all for it. We could do this every week. I don't care. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care. I, I, uh, I, I wouldn't mind. Bucks Every don't morning, Bucks don't play till night. Sunday night, so like I can I can go out and do whatever I want on Saturday night. I don't gotta get up early on Sunday. I'm all go- I'm I'm good with this. Are you? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I hear you, man. I I can't wait. It's gonna be a great Saturday. Uh, I'm excited. Um. So make sure. I mean, things can change, guys. So especially with Chandler being there, we don't know what can happen. Um you know, we're, we'll definitely have our updated picks and uh, updated analysis post weigh-in. So make sure you tune into us Saturday morning. Yeah. Put it on your alarms. Yeah. You, my, you just Saturday morning, go out and get some breakfast. And uh, usually I'm preparing for the NASCAR show, but got to, uh, you know, prepare for MMA a little bit before that. But yeah, I'll be uh, look, looking forward to it here on Saturday. Now we got one more fight here left to talk about, and that'll be Alvarez and Yakulev. Alvarez 9,000, Yakulev 7,200. I feel like Alexander Yakulov is going to be another guy that's going to be a little popular here. I feel like this card is pretty juicy from a um, from an underdog standpoint, right? Like you know, you know, I don't care about odds, right? You you know, I, yeah. I throw the odds out the window for me because I'm a fighter and I know how little that means. But there's a reason they're out there, and um, you know, Alvarez's odds are based on his last performance against Duffy. I mean, the guy is a finisher. He is so, so talented. Um, comes in at 9,000, has a great 17 to two record, um, hundred percent finish rate. So that is bananas. Now, let me tell you what's a little bit tough though, is when you are so jujitsu dependent. Mm-hmm. Okay. I train jujitsu a lot as well, but when you are so jujitsu dependent, sometimes you are content with laying on your back. And you're hunting submission, submission, submissions. If you do not get that finishing shot, which Alvarez has in 17 victories, so I can't say much. But if you do not get it, you're losing rounds. In MMA fights, if you're on bottom, you are most likely losing rounds. And uh, 
Yakolev could get no respect on this slate and comes in three and five in the UFC, 25 and 10 overall. You know, a, a former 170-pound fighter fought Kamaru Usman, uh, Damian Maya. Neither one of those guys finished him. Um, you know, so it's something interesting to, to know. And uh, Alvarez doesn't have the best takedown defense because he welcomes it. He welcomes you to get on top so he can work towards triangles and guillotines and, and, and all that. So uh, if Yakulov is able to avoid, you know, these submission attempts, I really like him here at almost minimum salary to, to get takedowns, to possibly advance and uh, tire out the, the heavy, you know, not the heavy favorite, but according to DraftKings, he's a heavy favorite, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you look over on FanDuel, $12 for Yakulov. I think that's interesting. I mean, I think everyone kind of knows my, my ultimate feeling on the first fight of the night. I really don't like playing it uh, because it just feels like more times than not that I just don't get it right. Of course, you mentioned about the betting odds. If you do want to check out the betting odds, go over to awesomemo.com right there at the top of the page. You'll see Odd Shopper. You can click there and you can shop around the various books to find out where you want to make your bet here for Saturday, UFC 254. Of course, as I mentioned, we will be here at 9 a.m. East Coast time on Saturday morning, leading you up to UFC 254. Of course, I know everyone likes to hear our uh, our straight up picks, and uh, I really want to pick the upset in the main event. Get out of here! You're drinking the Kool Aid, and like so many people, it's the it's the nice shiny toy. Everybody like when Cyborg was fighting, everybody wanted to pick pick the you know Yana Kuniskaya, thinking that she's the next great. You know what I mean? Like, come on, Justin Gaethje definitely can do it. But oh no, my I, brain says pick Habib, so I'm gonna go with my brain. But my, oh, okay. Okay. But my right. gut says like I, I, I think this fight is much closer than the betting odds say. I don't. I if I'm if I'm correctly here, I believe Gaethje is a bigger underdog than Connor was. Well, okay, and the only reason that is is because of the hype, uh, and, and the only reason that is is because Conor McGregor has a nation behind him that everybody's betting him so. You know what I mean? That's why the line was like that. But uh, Gaethje definitely has a better shot than Connor does, than Connor did, I should say, you know, based on nullifying the grappling. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what I, I like Habib. Uh, Whitaker Cannonier, who are you going with? I am going with Cannonier. Give me Whitaker. Okay. I like it. I love it when we disagree because guess what? Even if the listeners disagree with some of our picks, that's what makes picking fighting the best. All right, uh, I'll go first here on Harrison Volkov. Give me the big ticket. Yeah, you're out of your mind this week, Volkov. Uh, we're we're a little uh, we're a little. Uh, remember, these are straight up picks too. Okay. Yeah, th- these aren't DFS related. Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to both agree here, Phil Halls. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we will both agree here, Lauren Murphy. Yeah, I think that's a closer fight than what people are thinking. Uh, give me Ankalaev over Kudalaba. Yeah, Ankalaev. Uh, man, Shruv Tuvasa. Flip a coin, bro. Uh, I can't trust a chin of Stefan Shruv. Give me Tyler Tuvasa. Oh, I give me Stefan Shruv's ground game. Uh, Kenny versus Wood. Uh, I like Casey Kenny in that one. Give me Wood. Wow, <laughs> we are, we are. Uh, I don't think we've really disagreed this much. I kind of like it. Uh, cowboy, and, and uh, I, I'm going against cowboy here. Yeah, I'm going Rockmanoff. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've already told you I can't trust Sam Alvey, so you know where I'm going there. Give me, yeah, Donald Jung for me as well. Uh, give me, uh, give me Miranda Maverick against Jojua. 
Maverick as well. And uh, first fight of the night, uh, smart play, I think, is to take Joel Alvarez. I'll go Yakolev. Wow, we we are. We're I think of... we broke records today. Yeah, you know, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I'm excited, man. I, I I think you guys can tell that I'm pumped up. Uh, if we if you found this video helpful, if you like us, if you know, hit that thumbs thumbs up button. Make sure you guys check us out on Saturday. I cannot wait for this. Cannot wait to answer questions. Just talk fighting. You know what I mean? Like, I just love it. Yeah, we're going to go through the questions uh, right now. Going to hop over to Slack here momentarily. Uh, Jordan says, uh, it would be very hard for Gaethje to pay off if Khabib has him on the ground the whole time. No question. Yeah. Where I, I, mean, where I think the value in, in Habib is, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, is Gaethje constantly getting up and, and just getting taken right back down. Yeah. Like, for me, right? What I'm thinking, minus, you know, say we see something on the, you know, the weigh-ins, like say Habib looks horrible. I will tell you that Habib, in my opinion, does look like he's a little tired, and I think that could be stress-related. Um, I can see it in his eyes a lot, you know, based on interviews and everything. I, I can just kind of read it on him. I hope it doesn't affect his performance, but, um, you know, Gaethje's got to control distance. If if Gaethje controls distance, then uh, – he should be in a better position to win. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, gonna scroll down here. Um, you know, some of these questions we already uh, kind of got to a little bit. Um, could be by submission or by KO more likely. I'm saying TKO. Yeah, I would say TKO as well. Um, you know, the thing with Gage is there's just so much unknown with him on the ground. It's just, it's just, it's just sure you don't know. But guess what? So is, so is every Dagestani teammate, Dagestani fighter that Habib has encountered. You know what I mean? Like they have the best grappling on the planet. They really do. Uh, Samuel's asking for his usual questions. Top two favorites. Um, to win? To win. Give me Ankalive and Hawes. I probably feel most confident about them in the, their spots. Habib and Hawes for me. Um, top two underdogs. Um, well. Uh, Rachmanov's got to be one of them, right? Yeah, Rachmanov uh, is one. And then I think I'll go Yakolev. Give me Walt Harris. Oof. Why are you hating on the big ticket? I, I don't know. Because you're I, worried if it gets out of the first round? Yeah, I just see, like, I think Volkov's really good. Uh, upset of the night. Mm. Nathaniel Wood. Okay. I would say Justin Gaethje. Yeah, you're really saying that, huh? You heard me. Man. You heard me. Put that American flag on, baby. <laughs> I think, and I could be completely way off. And if you disagree with me, that's completely fine. That's why I respect yeah, yeah. everybody's opinion about it. I don't think it's going to be a close fight. Um, I don't think it's going to be a close fight. I... I, there's no way that here, I'm avoiding 
one of the best pound for pound fighters ever. Here's here's what my concern is, and and really it goes back to watching the countdown show where Javier Mendez is having to scream out, "Stick to father's plan, stick to father's plan." And I mean, look, I, I think that one of the things that I believe Javier Mendez and AKA do not get enough credit for is what they have done with Javier Nurmagomedov and his striking over the last eight years. I mean, this when you go back and you look at what Habib was when he got into the UFC striking wise to what he is now, it's night and day. It is, it's, it's a completely different fighter. Um, you know, I, I would, I mean, look, I'm sure Javier Mendez has made it very well known. We're not getting into a kickboxing matchup. I, I think that one of the interesting parts of this fight will be is one of Justin Gaethje's biggest offensive tools is his leg kicks. Yeah. How much will that, will, will we see the typical Justin Gaethje or, Will he slow down on those leg kicks because of the wrestling abilities? Yeah, so so let me explain something. So, like, uh, I'm a striker, obviously, so um, a lot of my opponents are always looking to take me down, right? So you have to be very selective with your kicks. Body kicks are almost almost eliminated from the plan until the as the fight goes on yeah. because those are so easy to catch and wrap you up. Uh, leg kicks on the thigh are questionable and the reason they're questionable is because of how easy it is to trap that leg to you and drive into either a single leg um a high c or easy a easy double and you know habib has been practicing that all camp i guarantee you catching a leg kick and driving what justin gaethje needs to do is lower that leg kick and go calf mm-hmm. kick you either want to go calf kick or head kick and um you know if he does either one of those he will find success uh other than that man you're you're playing with a very you're playing with fire right there you really are yeah i mean look i think i'll probably have about 30 percent shares of justin gaethje i'm not avoiding it i'm not going to avoid him but uh i'm taking a, a firm stance on habib i don't want to be overweight like yeah if, if you sit there and said habib's ownership is 59 percent, i'll probably be somewhere between 50 and 55 i'm not i'm not going to be overweight on the field I mean, so if it's like, if say I'm doing 150 lineups, right, I'm not going to put 130 um, with Habib just because it's going to, you know, limit me. It really is. I kind of want to make sure I have some, you know, something to cover all my bases. And, uh, you know, but if I'm playing, say, 20 lineups, I'll probably take a firmer stance on one or the other. Miles says, uh, trying to pay up for Habib in most of my FanDuel lineups, who is the most affordable fighter to target Constructing Habib lineups with so looking on FanDuel, so I, I I think we got we got to look at fourteen and under. So let's just kind of look at those fighters. You got Jacob Malhoun at ten dollars, uh, Sakurova at eleven dollars, Kutalaba at nine dollars, uh, Wood thirteen, Rachmanov fourteen, Albi eight, Jajua nine, and Yakovlev twelve. Um, Yakovlev is interesting at twelve. Um, you mentioned about Nathaniel Wood. That's an interesting one. If Kudalaba wins, it's going to be my knockout. Uh, that would definitely, you know, be, he would become optimal at that point. Um, that that's a tough that's a tough thing uh, of rostering Habib on, on Fanduel. Yeah, um, I would say for me, out of those out of those fighters, uh, I think Rachmanov at fourteen is a bargain based on his skill set, based on um, what he can do. Uh, the guy is 12 and 0 with 12 finishes, Jason. Now, granted, he hasn't really fought UFC level competition. This is a big, big step up facing uh, facing Oliveira, but uh, you know, 
the skills are skills. Skills pay the bills, and I think that he has plenty. Uh, we got a question about sacking the main event. Uh, you know, neither one of us are huge on sacking the main event in general. I think the only way you can stack the main event here is if you think that Gagey is going to be able to stop the takedowns and keep the fight on the feet. Yeah, I mean, it's what is what we what we talked about before is that you have to, um, you have to basically provide the narrative to what why why you're stacking it right, like how mm-hmm. you think it's going to go. It's kind of like uh, for me when I'm making NFL lineups, I try to. It's very impossible to try to predict game flow, but it can sometimes help you if like, uh, say you you put an offense in there that, you know, they're probably going to be playing from behind. So they're probably going to air it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in a situation like this, Gaethje needs to do a lot. Gaethje just needs to win the fight to probably break the slate. Habib and Gaethje together. Now you're talking about a completely different dynamic where Gaethje, uh, if, if, you're including Habib and Gaethje, right? Mm-hmm. Habib needs to outperform that 9,200. So he needs to win, but it needs to be like razor thin close. And uh, for me, for my money, I don't think it's really going to be that close. Uh, Andy says, favorite MVP on Fandle other than Habib uh, and Kalai for me. On Fandle, huh? Um, I think I would... God, Fando is so tough, bro. Um, I think Angle Live is a good play. I, I'm going to back you on that. Yeah. Um, what fights are we excited to target? Main event's an easy one to target. Um, oh, main two. That concerns me. It doesn't pay off to be optimal in GPPs. I think it's more of a cash game play. And then their, I, style, I, their styles, though, I feel like, I don't know. We'll have to see, but like, I'm going to be talking in that fight. Like, when I look at fights, I believe will end and finish. The main event, Volkov-Harris, Ankalaev-Kutalaba, Struve-Tuavasa. Those would be my most confident picks of end and finish. What's, what's the line at this week, Jason? What are you setting the line at for finishes? All right, we got 12 fights right now. Uh, let's set it at uh, five and a half. This card really script. Oh, man. That's a damn good line. You're a bookie. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say under. Okay, all right. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, um, right. We're going to finish with this question. Uh, Miles goes, would it make sense to target both Wood and Rakamanov in Habib lineups? Um, Wood, yeah, I I kind of like it. I mean, Wood is talented. Wood is very talented. The problem with that matchup is they're, it's a very it's an even it's an even fight. It really is. And they're going to nullify each other's strengths. Uh-huh. You could literally see each minute can he win a minute? Would win a minute. Can he win a minute? You know what I mean? Like so back and forth. It's probably my favorite fight on the card from a, a viewing aspect. Um, but I would temper expectations. But would when you talk about talent, eighty-two percent finish rate out of seventeen victories. Outside that John Dodson loss, man, you know people were hyping him up as being you know top ten talent, and I really do think that he's there. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, it should be a good night of fights. Looking forward to it. Of course, if you ever have a question for myself and Pete, uh, you can hit us up in our premium site account for our premium subscribers. Just mess us in there. Also, you can do that uh, on Twitter as well. Of course, you see our Twitter handles there up on the screen. Pete, uh, anything else you want to miss before we get out of here? Make sure you guys don't forget Saturday. We're on early, okay? Don't sleep in. I don't want to hear no, no, I slept in. I didn't get a coffee in time. My lineups are locked. I want to see you guys. I want to talk to you guys. I want to answer your questions. I want to see if something changed, who you're backing. All right, come hang out Saturday morning. And that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Strategy Show right here on awesomeball.com. We will see you on Saturday. <laughs>